When Deanna's son went to prison in California, she promised God that she would take care of someone in Texas if he watched over her son in California. And it was out of this promise to God that Epicenter Ministries and Second Look Texas was born. The Second Look Bill is really a second chance bill, and it will change lives forever. Come on, let's do a background check on Deanna Lupreet and Epicenter Ministries. Let's go! Have you or someone you know had your life turned upside down because of your past? Of course I have. Everyone does background checks now, which makes it hard to bounce back. What do you believe? I believe your background shouldn't hold you back. It it should pay you back. This podcast will inspire you, motivate you, and inform you with everything you need to rise above your past and and not be afraid to say, "Go, go ahead. Check my background. My name is Jaden Gum, and this is Background Check. You already know. Let's go. You can check my background. I'm a forgiving felon, so tell them that I won't back down now. You can bet I won't live in regret. It's time to earn some respect. You are tuning in to Background Check. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Background Check Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Gum. As always, this show is brought to you by Forgiven Felons helping people with a past realize their future. So excited for this um, for this episode, so excited for this season of, of, of weather that we're in. We're coming out of the winter, even though I love winter. Um, I love spring because I get to work in the yard a lot more and I get to make my yard pretty like my, my wife makes the inside of the house pretty. I get to make the outside of the house pretty. So uh, I'm excited. I just love this time of year. We're, we're, we're getting open houses back up and running for Forgiven Felons. By the way, if you don't know what Forgiven Felons is and all you know is Background Check Podcast, Forgiven Felons is the, uh, the ministry that we run, a transitional house program for guys coming out of prison. And we help them get back on their feet. We help them find jobs. We uh, help them just stay on the right track and not go back to prison. And over the last nine years since we started the house, it'll be nine years in May, we have about a 7.5% recidivism rate, and that's with over 270 men. So that's not bad, way lower than the state and way lower than the national recidivism rate. So if you have a loved one incarcerated and they're getting out in prison and they need to, or in Texas and they need a place to parole to, uh, go to ForgivenFelons.org where you can learn more about the ministry and also go to the house page on that website and from the website, you can listen to the, this podcast. You can check out our interview on my on the Mike Huckabee Show. You can hear more stories. You can see uh, pictures of activities that we've done over the years. And, and then you can also go to the house page and see what we do uh, as the house. And if you have a loved one in prison that needs an application, you can print out the whole packet there, the intro letter, the application, and the calendar, and send to them and have them fill it out and send it back. And we, we can um, consider them and see if they're a fit for our program. So, uh, again, I mentioned Open House. If you're listening th- to this episode on Friday, March 19th, we have Open House at Forgiven Felons. Uh, you can go to the website on the contact page and see the address where we are. That's where we have Open House, and it's on both sides. Uh, just come, and what we do is we just eat. We eat and we fellowship and we uh, have prison volunteers are there, residents are there of the house and friends and family and everybody comes over and we just eat. It's uh, and, the, and This one is March 20th, 530 to 730 at Forgiven Felons Transitional Houses. So hope to see you there. And um, so background check podcast, what do we do? Uh, 
This is all about just me being able to talk more about our ministry, the giving God the glory, uh, talk about my story and how he's redeemed me, saved me, but it's also to give a platform to other people who have risen above their background and have become successful. Um, other people that have maybe given their life over the Lord, some that haven't quite yet, that have still been successful. We've had some CEOs of, of eight-figure businesses on here. And we've also had lawyers. Uh, if you need a parole lawyer, uh, go to one of the past episodes. David O'Neill is a great parole lawyer. We've had a DWI judge on here. We've had recovery center directors on here, doctors, counselors. So, uh, man, Dave's Killer Bread guy was on here on one episode. Titan Gilroy had a reality TV show. It's just been fun. But um, sometimes we talk about, I do solo episodes, and I bring my family on, and we talk about things. And, and sometimes we have guests on, which are my favorite, because I get to talk to people. And this episode, I get to talk to Deanna Laprete. She's the founding executive director of Epicenter Initiatives, uh, and they have a bill called The Second Look, and their website is secondlooktexas.org. We're going to talk about that, but man, she, she got her calling because her son was in prison in another state, and she basically just promised God that she would take care of some men here in Texas if he would take care of her son in California. And through that, I think it was 2016 when all that happened, through that has grown this second look bill. And we needed to pass. I'm praying that it passes. But we're going to talk about Epicenter Ministries, what all she's got going on. She's even doing more now than she she started out doing. And it's just an incredible. She's she's my hero. She, <laughs> I, I have a lot of heroes doing this podcast. And... But we're, we're excited about this interview. We get to hear about the, the Second Look bill. And there are so many exciting things that are happening with this bill for the first time. It's got bipartisan support, and she's going to talk about that. And I'm not, I'm not going to waste any more time talking about it myself because the interview is so great. So here uh, is me and Deanna Laprete from Epicenter Ministries talking about the Second Look bill. Deanna Laprete with Epicenter Ministries. Welcome to Background Check Podcast. Thank you for having me. Okay, well, we are excited because uh, I was just saying, I I know who you are. I know a little bit about what y'all do, but I've only been able to really understand and know more about it in the last year, uh, maybe since June. Um, but we had a couple of guys in our house that I think were second lookers, uh, Daniel, Daniel Lindsay. I don't know if people know he was, I think, um, I think we had him on his story on, on episode 17. I think he's a great guy. And I think you mentioned to me at one time, he was, he was a second looker. Tell us what second looker means, what second look is epicenter. What do y'all do right now? How do y'all do it? Who do you do it for? And why, why do, do we need to pay attention to it? And then we'll get into the bill. Okay. Um, basically, uh, Epicenter Ministries was founded in 2016, and we are dedicated solely to juvenile offenders. And this is something that I never chose to do because nobody sets out to do this, especially, you know, me being my age and, and um, my station in life. But 
uh, God spoke to me on this. My son was incarcerated in California. He was in CDCR. And I told God if he would please take care of my son, that I would take care of somebody here in Texas. Wow. So I got involved, I got involved with prison ministry. And you know, I actually started out on Carol Young. And I mean, I loved it. I love with the working with the women. You know, they're pregnant. I'm praying over bellies, you know, things like that. And then this particular ministry that I was involved with asked me to go to Ramsey. And I was just like, oh, Jesus, take the wheel. No, I do not want to work with men. I do not want to work with 3G men. And there was a great deal of fear involved. And when I got in there, in this ministry, I became acquainted with this niche population which are juvenile offenders that have been incarcerated the majority of their life. They committed their crimes under the age of 17. They're serving extreme sentences, if not life sentences. And when I was first introduced to them within the ministry, I, like everybody else in the free world, I was shocked. I was shocked that that our society would take a child and take their whole life away from them for a bad decision or being charged with law of parties or something of that nature. And so I know a lot of people will understand when I tell you I had a Nehemiah moment. I mean, God literally spoke to me and I knew exactly what my purpose and my niche ministry was. And that's what Epicenter does. We only work with youthful offenders, with extreme sentences. And, um, you know, like I said, we've been around since 2016 and we have a couple different facets of the ministry. Uh, First and foremost, right now, of course, we have legislative endeavors and we're doing that right now since we're in session. Um, We also minister to the family members. I mean, we're talking mothers and fathers that lost their kids 20 plus years ago. And so we minister to them and we have a ministry, it's Epicenter Family. And, you know, we're working on a house and that's where you and I have, you know, gotten into cahoots so that I can kind of learn how that works. You know, and when we talk about a second looker, like I said, this is anyone who committed their crime at 17 and under and has an extreme sentence. And we use the term we have coined second looker because of the second look bill. So before we get into what the second look bill is and does and what it can do, how many people do you think are affected in our current prison system right now by, by what you do? I think, I think the whole prison system is affected. I think everybody knows who Epicenter is because We have been tenacious and we have been, you know, we have loved these guys and been dedicated and have been in this game since 2016. And I know that uh, abandonment is something that they go through. You know, people come and go, pen pals come and go, things of that nature, but we've stayed with them. But as far as an exact number of second lookers that would be affected by the bill today is 1,300. And that is men and women. We, mm-hmm, yeah, we have um, fifty-one women, and the rest are men. Okay. And how do y'all find these? Do y'all just you have a staff or volunteers that help you search these records to see 
and go, okay, this guy was uh, charged when he was under 17 and he got a 60 year sentence. So th this is something, somebody we want to take a second look at. Y'all just do all the, all the research yourself. We do. I'm really fortunate within the ministry. We're not like other ministries. Um, we're totally volunteer. Um, nobody gets a penny because we don't have a penny to give. Um, but we have done, I've had a team of people that have come together and done extensive research. And we've also, you know, just put out mass mails, you know, who was convicted under law of parties? Well, of course, a lot of people don't remember, you know, were they indeed convicted under law of parties, but that I get letters every day. I'm a second looker. Do you have me on your list? But we have got this list so refined since 2016. I know each and every one. Absolutely. They are all my kids. I know everybody that's the second looker. And as they birthday into that 20 year mark, then I meet them because they will write me a letter. You know, Miss Deanna, I've just, you know, hit my 20 year mark. Am I a second looker now? I'm like, yeah, baby, you're a second looker now. So what happens at that point when they become a official second looker? What, what, what do y'all put into action? Well, a couple different things so they they get transferred over to a list which makes them eligible for the passage of the bill and we'll talk about that a little bit later but another thing that we're doing right now I realized in the last legislative session I would talk to senators and whatnot and they would tell me you know Dan I love the bill love the bill but what are you going to do with them when they get out and I realized we had a huge void in the ministry and that ministry was re-entry and so from 2019 until now, and you know this because I've picked your brain, you know, I'm looking at what does reentry look like for them, but we know that reentry for them looks a lot different because they got plucked out of society anywhere between 14 years old and, and 16, 15 is the average age. And so if you go back and think, what if I was taken out of society at 15 years old? And I'm 42. I don't know what I don't know because I haven't been there. So, you know, our reentry, we have to teach them, obviously, how to drive. Nobody drove legally back then. We need to teach them how to grocery shop, um, how to communicate, um, diction when you speak. This isn't prison anymore. We want to speak clearly. We don't want to speak ghetto. Um, interviews, things of that nature. And this is what we're doing now. We started a program and as soon as it was TDCJ approved, COVID hit. So it's now a correspondence course and I have a little over 300 participants and that's a lot for one little me to keep up with. But it is a Christ-centered 12 steps program. And I realized that they do not have substance abuse pro problems. I mean, they've been incarcerated, they're not alcoholics, but they do have character deficit. I mean, this is something, I mean, this is a, a no fault of theirs. They just haven't been in society. So through this Christ-centered 12 steps program, we're working on character development and self-assurance and how to lean on Christ to survive in society. And that's the program we have going right now. Um, I just got the notification face-to-face -face is back up. So we're gonna get our team of volunteers and we're gonna start doing the face-to-face. -face. So we will have experts in certain areas like I will be the expert on grocery shopping. We'll learn how to shop 
and avoid the center aisles with the garbage. We'll learn how to use our Lone Star card, what you can buy, what you can't buy, how to make a money order, uh, things of this nature. And so we're, we've got this reentry program going and that when they hit that 20 year mark, they're eligible to enter our reentry program. Wow. That I honestly didn't even know about. I knew we had a conversation one time about, uh, and you asked some questions, but, um, but man, that sounds like a really good program. And you're right. There's a lot of things these guys don't know. And, you know, sometimes when they were like Daniel, Daniel Lindsay was taken away at 15. Some of the things, first things he did when he got out of prison was kind of pick up where he left off. You know, a week out of prison, he, he dyes his hair with hydrogen peroxide. And I said, Daniel, what did you, what did you do to your hair? He goes, I dyed it. I said, what did you use? And he said, hydrogen peroxide. And I knew it was hydrogen peroxide because that's what we did when we were 15. That's what we used to, to dye our hair blonde. And then shortly after he got his first paycheck, he bought a black leather jacket. It's in the middle of summer, the middle of summer. And he buys a black leather jacket. I'm like, Daniel, why did you buy a black leather jacket? These are things he said that he wanted to do when he was 15 and he couldn't. And so now he's, he's do all he's doing is things he knew he wanted to do when he was 15 and all he's been raised with from 15 on to 47 because he was in there 32 years is, is what prison taught him. And he didn't really give his life over to, to, to the Lord until he was 2015. So he was taught a lot and he went through a lot. Um, you know, if you, if anybody wants to hear his full story, go to, I think it's episode 17, but just heartbreaking what he had to go through as a 17, 18, 19 year old kid in prison. And he was a law of parties. He was a law of parties. He was convicted with law of parties. So it's unfortunate. I think the law of parties is just ridiculous. And I, I feel like when you guys testified in the house, I feel like, um, I feel like you guys made a really good case for, for why this law of parties is so uh, unjust and doesn't belong in a, in a justice system. Um, by the way, everyone who testified for you guys did amazing. I was, I was in tears on some of the stories and, and I, I just, I'm so thankful, so thankful for everything you guys do. So now let's, let's zero in on the bill. What, what are y'all proposing? Um, we know the gist of it is just to get people to take a second look. You know, you're not, you're not asking anybody to be exonerated. You're just saying, Hey, does he need to be in here any longer than he already has? I, I, I'm assuming that's what it basically is asking. So tell us exactly what it is. Uh, tell us the number. I can't remember the number. I thought it was, I, I don't remember the number now, but um, tell us the number and everything that it's proposing and, and where it's at. So we've been working on this bill since the 2017 session, and we've been consistent with our, our House bill author, Joe Moody, and we've been so blessed that he has been appointed Speaker Pro Tem for the last two sessions. Um, our number, I mean, God thing too, our number this session is HB 686, and we have a companion bill, which is exactly identical which is SB 687. I guarantee you that has never happened before. 
ever. And so we have these two great numbers, 686, 687. And the bill has stayed consistent from 2017, 19 to 21. And you're right, because this isn't asking for a floodgate action. We're not opening the gate. We're not letting people just flood out. Um, And we're not asking for resentencing because we know And Edwin's story will tell you, you don't want to go back and resentence because it'll always go south. Always. They will never, ever give you a time cut on resentencing. And so what the bill does, it says, if you were a youthful offender, committed your crime under 70 years of age, are serving an extreme sentence, once you hit 20 years, that 20-year mark is the magic number. Once you hear 20 years, you're eligible, once you hit 20 years, you are eligible for a parole hearing. And this is what I need to stress to everybody. This is a parole hearing. You still need to do the hard work. We're still looking at your parole packet. The parole board is still saying, what have you done with two decades? And so I guarantee if you open that parole pack and there's no GED, there's no grad program, none of those things, you're not going home. Right. But for those, but for those that have done the hard work and a lot of our second lookers, when I tell you a lot are highly educated, they have spent decades in Ramsey and they've got master's degrees. They've got bachelor's degrees. Um, These guys are ready to come back into society. So that's basically what the bill is doing. Just bring them up to parole at 20 years. But we went one step further. And so we've changed or ask them to change the rubric of review because the brokenness in the parole system is their checklist. And you know, it's a worksheet. So everybody is just a worksheet. And the thing is with a youthful offender, you automatically, I mean, we're talking like a golf card. So you want a low score, but the first question is how old were they at the time of the offense? Well, when they're 17 and under, bam, it's an automatic click. So now we have a two instead of a one. And then when you go further down, there's a question about employment previous to incarceration. Well, nobody had a job back then. They were too young. So bam, there's another hit against them. So we've asked him to change that rubric of review. And number one, look at them for the child that they were and ask the questions, how old were they? Was there an adult involved in the crime? Um, What was the home life like, the school life? And look at the mitigating circumstances surrounding um, this person before they make a decision. Because I do not, I call them my kids, they're not something to be worked off of a check sheet. I mean, these are people, these are the children that have grown up in the system and they're ready to come home. And that's the bottom line. So that's kind of the crux of the bill right now. Um, And one thing I do want to say is we did create a carve out, which has been confusing for a lot of people. And if anybody followed the bill, you know, the last session, we kind of got blindsided by the city of Santa Fe. And they were confused at the bill and they thought that our bill would let their, they had a school shooting, would let their shooter go at 20 years. Um, and, And I feel for them. I mean, my heart breaks for them. They did. They lost their children at the hand of a youthful offender that was mentally ill because no child goes and does that. So this was a whole different situation 
but we did have to create a carve out uh, for mass shooters. And so anybody within that realm is not eligible for the 20 years, but they are eligible for the new review, which is going to help tremendously in their situation if they do have um, a situation where there was multiple. And the reason the reason why it's important for for us to know that after 20 years they would be eligible is because say somebody gets a, a 60 year sentence and it's aggravated, normally they would have to serve 30 of that before they even become eligible for parole. So this bill would give a 10 year relief to someone like that, not to not to you know like you said just free and willy nilly as long as they've been doing what they're supposed to educating themselves, being in the right programs. And then, and then if they become a second looker, then they come up uh, for parole after 20 years. I think that is, I think that, I think this bill, I know you've only been around since 2016, but man, this bill should have been in place a long time ago, a long time ago. And, and I, for one support the bill. How's it doing? What's the progress? Oh my gosh, it is doing so well. I mean, we we there was a little bit of discouragement from last session, you know, because we didn't see it coming and we had worked so hard for years getting to that point. But this session is a whole different ball game. You know, we've done it a little differently since uh, we were faced with COVID. We, we had to struggle with how are we going to lobby? So the first thing we did, and most second lookers know, we published a book. And the book is called A Word to My Younger Self, where we took 35 second lookers and we asked them the question, what would you say to your younger self? And we let them elaborate. And what that showed is it showed maturity and rehabilitation. Um, and it showed the, the, the growth of their character within that book. And then we were fortunate enough to get Centoya Brown to do the forward. And when I asked her to do the forward, I thought that she would do a, a, a paragraph, but she did her own word to her younger self. And it was absolutely amazing. And then we went and we got together with Mercy Me and asked, could we use their lyrics, um, Dear Younger Me? And they said, yeah. So we've got that. So it was really, we were really blessed with this tool to lobby and then we sat down and said, okay, well, we've got this, but how are we going to get face to face? So we started in September with Zoom meetings. And so Epicenter has been meeting with reps and senators since September. And we've worked all the way up to this point. So the reps and the senators, they're well educated. They've had Q&A sessions with us. And we've had our chief counsel, Chris Self, and our deputy counsel, Jasmine Bond, have been on those calls. And they are two of the greatest people I could ever have on my board. I am so blessed and they are so knowledgeable. Chris teaches at Thurgood Marshall at the Juvenile Lifer Clinic and Jasmine is actually our parole attorney. And so them getting on these calls with senators that are attorneys. So cohort to cohort, Q&A, back and forth. So, I mean, it, this bill, we're solid. We are absolutely solid going forward. Well, I am excited. And like I said, I watched, I was glued to my computer whenever um, all the presenters were there. And it really seemed like who they were presenting to received it well and and so I'm excited and I don't, I, I, I don't know how much further it has to go, 
but um, we're definitely going to be in prayer. Forgiven Felons definitely supports this bill, and uh, and we've done our part with our local uh, rep representative, Carl Sherman. I know he likes the bill as well. So we're hoping now this, I think, I think you posted on social media that for the first time you have a bipartisan bill. So tell us why that's important and why the heck it was so hard to get. Well, of course, you know, in this, this political climate nationwide, we know, you know, R's and D's are very different, um, especially when it comes to criminal justice reform. And these first couple sessions, we couldn't buy a Republican on the bill. It just, it wasn't gonna happen. And so this session, like I said, you know, we went out there to educate this time and overcome those myths that they thought it was. And so in getting together with them, um, we really focused on Republicans. When we went out and started our lobbying via Zoom, we focused only on Republicans because that was our target market right there. And I think once we got to sit down with them and Chris would share the legal aspect of it and I would share the biblical aspect of it. Um, I think that that made a big difference with Republicans. And so we did have our first Republican assigned on to the house bill and that kind of broke the ice, you know and once we had that R and it went bipartisan now I mean, I don't know if anybody's watched the bill. We got so many people signing on. I mean, we have like five authors. We've got our co-author, we've got our author, we've got joint authors. We had Vicki Goodwin signed on last night. This morning it moved to calendar committee. So we're headed to the house floor. And so now we've kind of shift gears and now we're looking at the Senate and we know that's a little bit more difficult. Um, it's a a great deal of uh, Republicans is very red, um, but we're ready, you know, so we're doing exactly what we did over here and we're, we're talking to them. And of course you saw the hearing, we've brought in representatives of denominations. We brought in Rashana from the Texas uh, Catholic Bishops Council. You know, we have the, um, the policy attorney for the Texas Baptists. You know, we've got that backing from the different religious communities as well. I mean, this bill makes sense all the way around. Yeah, and I I totally agree. And uh, I like because you said you'd like to share the biblical uh, perspective of it, and um, and that's important because nobody gave more second looks at people than Jesus, you know. And even even on his dying, his last few hours, he gave a criminal a second look and said, "You don't deserve." That you deserve it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna see you today in paradise. I hope and pray uh, more people will be able to see that to really truly give second a second chance to someone, you have to actually give them a second look. And so to not even give a second look is to almost withdraw your second chance. And I think if if we don't as a state, if we don't as you know as uh, Republicans and Democrats don't put our egos aside that it, that that makes us think oh well if we sign on to this bill we're going to look soft on crime that's a bunch of crap it is and and i think that's what everybody's worried about if i do sign on to this am i going to lose votes well you know what's a what's a life over a few votes and and i i'm excited 
I really am about this bill. There's a lot of bills I love. I'm watching, I'm tracking, but there's 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 hardly any of them that I'm I'm this excited about. And again, because I see guys, we get a lot of guys that, that come through our ministry, our transitional houses, where they they went in. You know, they had to be certified as an adult so they could be charged, and they do 20, 25 years. And and I just wonder if maybe had 10 years been shaved off Daniel's sentence and he was eligible after 20 years, where he would be now at 37. He's 47. He's been out. uh, It'll be a year, June 30th. He's got job stability. We gave him a car. He's got all these things going for him and he's succeeding where where would he have been now if he had been let out 10 years ago or at least just taking a look at 10 years ago how how much further in life i mean cuz he's he's rehabilitated uh it happened in prison and he's he's a productive member of society he's filing his taxes in fact i think he already did you know and so we know i know firsthand you know we have another the other one i was talking about michael katermos you know, he, uh, I think he's 43 now. He went in when he was, uh, I think 16 or 17, he was certified and he did, I think like 20, I don't remember 20 high twenties. He's been out two years. He's got a job, same job he's been at since he's been out of prison. So he's got job stability. He's got a vehicle and he's about to buy a house. I mean, this is what we want. We want these guys to do that. And if we can take them and look at their record in prison after 20 years, I mean, it doesn't take a genius to see the difference between somebody who's sitting in the day room doing nothing and somebody who's in school, trade school, got got their GED, all these other uh, programs. It doesn't take a genius to sit there and look at that. And yes, I agree with the rubric. It's It's been needed to be changed for so many years. And I think it's, I, don't, I mean, I, I don't want to say, I don't want to sound too harsh, but I think our parole review um, system is is so backwards and so off that something has to be done you know i really wish that somehow some way they would allow someone who's actually done time to sit and talk with these these guys that are up for parole because i promise you man i can talk with somebody for five minutes and go "Eh, i don't know i think he might need to do a little more time or or i can say you know what man look what he's done listen to him talk you could hear it in his heart. You could hear his in his voice and see it in his eyes that he's not that younger self. And I think the, the movie Shawshank Redemption did it the best when they had, a, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, but Red, uh, Morgan Freeman played Red and he did 30 years in all his, his parole hearings. Uh, he goes, oh yeah. They asked him, do you think you're rehabilitated? He's like, oh yeah. I'm, I'm rehabilitated. I'm no longer a danger to society. And and every, every year they just hit reject, reject, reject. But then that, that last one, he didn't answer it the same way. He said, you know, he talked about if I could, if I could go back and talk to my younger self, you know, and he, and he let them know I'm not that guy anymore. I don't know what it's going to take. Hopefully the second look bill, you know, I mean, we already have a ton of people in prison that are truly innocent that shouldn't be in prison. And and it takes a, a, basically a miracle to get them out and get them exonerated. But if we could just take a second look at some of these guys that have been in there that long and go, okay, let's give them, let's give them a chance. So 
tell us something else about, um, give us, I know you mentioned Edwin, tell us, spend a few minutes giving us an impact story, whether it be Edwin or, or somebody else, give us, give us a story, highlight somebody for us. Well, um, that, you know, it's funny that you uh, mentioned the Shawshank Redemption because that plays a huge role in my story. When I was first on Ramsey and the first week that I was, um, I, I was um, facilitating Bridges to Life. So, you know, we go into small groups. I had a group of 10 on Ramsey. And of course, I was nervous. The men were nervous. I couldn't get any flow of conversation going. So I, I broke the ice. I want everybody to just tell me, what do you fear? So, you know, we had, you know, well, I'm afraid of this and this. And then we got to Demas, and I will mention his name because he doesn't care. And he said, have you ever seen the Shawshank Redemption? I said, it's my absolute favorite movie. And he said, I'm afraid that I will end up like Brooks. And I was so confused and my heart started beating and I didn't understand. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, I'm not saying that I'll kill myself. He said, I'm saying that I'm afraid when I get out, I won't be able to cope. And I said, well, I don't understand. How long have you been here? He said, I've been here 21 years. And I'm looking at this baby face. And I said, well, when did you get here? He said, well, I got here when I was 17. I said, well, when will you go home? He said, if I did a serve all, I'd be 91. And that was the moment that God crushed me. And I was so upset. I was trying to hold back tears. And I said, okay, I said, great story. Let's go to the next person. The next person was Gartrell. And he was a youthful offender. And he had this story. And then I'm like, Jesus, help me. And the next person was a second looker. What are the odds? that I would have three second lookers in a circle of 10 out of 157,000 people in TDCJ. So not only did God work on my heart and broke my heart, but he solidified what my calling was. And once Demas and I started talking, I had found that um, he had lost his mother recently and he needed a mother. And I had told God that if you would take care of my son in California, I will take care of somebody here. And I knew that's who I was to take care of. Sean today is my son. For all intensive purposes, I couldn't love him more if he was my biological son. He spent 10 years in Clemens and survived, transferred to Ramsey for 11 years. He's got two master's degrees, two bachelor's degrees, three AAs. And we finally decided that maybe it was a good idea to get a trade and the skills. So we got him moved to the walls unit. And now he is clerking at the auto shop. Um, and he, he is my pride and joy, my absolute pride and joy. And I have hundreds of stories like this of my kids that are second lookers. I mean, and I'm telling you, they have lost their support system. Their, their parents have died. And I am happy to become mama bear to all of them. But Demas is my pride and joy. That is awesome. Wow. And I know you'd have a ton of stories. Uh, what what we definitely want to do is um, the, the book you mentioned, where is that available? And how can we get that? And I want to make sure we post some way to get that uh, if they are available to the general public um, on the show page. And we'll, we'll put all your information, um, any websites, social media links, anything, 
and we'll put all the, the bill information on the show page as well. So people can go straight to the show page, listen to the podcast, but also click on every link that uh, you want them to visit. Uh, the book is available online. It's on our website, secondlooktexas.org. Um, Jay, you'll go ahead and put that out there. You spell it out, S-E-C-O-N-D-L-O-O-K-T-E-X-A-S.org. And we have a store. And in the store, you can purchase the book. We have T-shirts and whatnot. What's really exciting about this book is that it got into the hands of a gang expert in Hidalgo County who passed it on to the child psychologist within the juvenile detention system. She loves the book and is using it as a textbook and they just ordered 30 of them. So this book is going into the hands of the kids, 12 to 14 years old in Hidalgo County. And that book is available in the store on our website. Wow, that is awesome news. I'm excited about that. Uh, I cannot wait to uh, read the book. I, I, I guess I just now realized that you had the book. So uh, I'm going to add that to my to my reading list. I've got some really good ones this year. Uh, when the truth is all you have, uh, talking about all the um, exonerations that Centurion Ministries did. Anyway, so I can't wait to add that one. So is there anything else we need to know about Epicenter, uh, Second Look? How can people, If do you need help, volunteers? Do you need donations? How can people be involved, whether financially, prayerfully, uh, voluntarily, any way that anybody can help? So this is a huge grassroots effort, and I need anybody that has any availability. If all you can do, which is absolutely the most important thing, is fast and pray. We have a closed Facebook group called Second Look 2021. That particular group, that's all we do. We only pray and we only fast. This is all we do. If you want to be in a group that's more informational and more hands-on, that's a closed group on Facebook called Epicenter Family. And that's where you're going to have mothers and fathers, immediate loved ones that have been in the game for a long time. And this is where I'm totally transparent about what's going on with the bill. We write thank you notes there like today. You know, we're writing thank you notes to Vicki Goodwin. She signed on last night. So any kind of um, legislative endeavors is shared there. Also, you can go to our open page, which is called the Epicenter Initiative. And every Saturday, we have Second Look Saturday, and we feature another Second Looker. It would be great if people could get on and give some positive comments to offset some of the negativity that's on there. Um, you know, we want everybody there. We want everybody to see who these second lookers are. And again, you know, our website is highly informational. I mean, it's almost uh, too nerdy for me at this point. But, you know, we're focusing on those Republicans. So any report known to man that has to do with this particular legislation is there. Um, you know, yeah, of course, donations. We, we need donations. We're a total volunteer operation. We function on shirt sales and book sales. That's that's kind of it. Um, but yeah, the, the website's a great place to start and Facebook. And what is the best way for someone to support, to say, I support this bill? I think that by getting on Epicenter Family, that's kind of the, the strategy group. And, you know, we move in tandem. And I think our greatest asset is we've never been that group that goes in protest. You know, nobody goes rogue. We don't, you know, go in front of the governor's mansion. 
you know, we're as sly as a serpent and as gentle as a dove. And we follow biblical mandates to make this happen. We move together in prayer and we go when God tells us to move, how he tells us to move. And that's why I think it's important to just come to that Epicenter family page and, and join us in our endeavors. Because there are times when it's like, okay, it is time to make a phone call, but we do it with a narrative. Gotcha. Strategically. So instead of just mm-hmm. sporadically a uh, phone call here, an email there, whatever, uh, if we if we all are on that page and then we say, okay, we hear somebody say, now it's time to flood the emails, the phone calls, whatever, and with support, then, then it has a bigger impact. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, because we know who does not appreciate mail in their office and we know who does. And so we respect what they want. Um, And of course, we do things a little different. We go that extra mile. Like I said, we're doing thank you cards right now. No emails. We're not going to flood your your email system, but we are going to send you a very nice thank you note that you're going to want to put on your desk. I mean, I'm telling you, Jay, I've got this thing down to a science. Been doing this since 2016. (laughs) This bill is ready to pass because I'm ready to move on next legislative session to the next bill. Yes. And um, Deanna, Thank you so much for doing what you do here and how it was birthed is just amazing. And uh, thank you so much for, uh, you're one of my heroes. I'm, I'm, I'm gaining a lot well, of thank heroes you. and you're one of my heroes. And uh, we appreciate all you do. And, and, uh, and we will encourage everyone to go to the family page and, uh, and the prayer warriors that we have to go to the prayer and fasting page. And so um, I'll, I'll tell them that if they, uh, if they, if they mentioned forgiven felons, then you know who sent them. But uh, thanks for coming on the show and doing this, letting us know who you are, what you do. And we just, we bless you in the name of Jesus. And we, we speak favor over the bill. We speak favor in the hearts of the Republicans and, 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 and even going forward in the Senate. Uh, so we, we're excited and um, we're just so, so thankful for everything you do. Well, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. All right. And we're going to get uh, at some point in the future, we're going to get um, Edwin or somebody from, you know, a second looker. Uh, we're going to get them on and and have hear their story. So we're excited about that, too. Absolutely. All right. We will see you next time. Thank you so much. Have a good one. You too. Bye bye. You know, I don't wish anybody to ever go to prison. And I know almost all parents think they're teenage Children are angels and would never do anything to go to prison. And sometimes they're right. But I think one of the things that I know my parents couldn't control and most parents can't control is who who their child hangs around. As a teenager, and I remember just wanting to be accepted by the kids at my new school, and I went to a Christian school. But to, do, to get accepted, I had to do things and partake in things that I knew were against what my mom and dad taught me, what God taught me, what I learned about Jesus and Christianity. And I had to do these things. And honestly, there were some times that, you know, laws were being broken. And if we got busted, sometimes it didn't matter whether I was actually partaking or not because I was there, we were all going to get charged. 
But the law of parties in Texas, man, it, it's what brought Daniel Lindsay here to forgiven felons. He he got sixty years for just being being in the group where there was a murder. He didn't pull the trigger. He didn't do the he didn't do the the killing. But he got he got and sometimes sometimes if you're caught up around the killer or the person committing the crime, they will plead down for a lesser sentence. We've 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 heard about it, you know, even in episode three with Michelle Strand, the Netflix documentary I Am a Killer, you know, her husband her husband got a longer sentence than the actual guy who gave the order to do the killing. And he 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 was out in like I think ten years. But a lot of times the person that actually does the killing to get them to admit, they will uh, tell them that they'll, they'll give them a lighter sentence, but then they'll then they'll charge everybody else in the group with the same crime and give them a, a, a stronger sentence than the actual killer. There's a lot of laws in Texas. I was talking. I was actually talking with a lawyer uh, the other day, and he's defending a couple of friends of mine, personal friends of mine, in some cases. And he mentioned that we've gotten a lot better in our system. And I had to think about that for a minute because I don't think it's true. I think I think in some areas we have gotten a little bit better. But overall, I don't think we've gotten better. If, if you're grading on a scale from 1 to 100 for a test and you do really good on one area of the test, it doesn't mean you pass the whole test just because you're doing good in that one area. And I think that we have a long way to go. And I think the second look bill that Deanna, Deanna and others have uh, written and authored, I think it's going to help change a lot of people's lives. You know, these kids, and again, you know, for all of you out there, the holier-than-thou people that think, you know, you do the time, do the crime. I mean, do the time, the crime, do the time. You know, you make better choices. Well, listen, at 15, there's a reason. There's a reason we don't let 15-year-olds smoke, and there's a reason we don't let them drive, and we there's a reason we don't let them drink, because their brains aren't fully developed. And so for you, for, for us to have a process where we take a 15-year-old or 16-year-old kid and say, we're going to certify your brain as an adult, we're just going to bypass all the science that says you're a 15-year-old and you're going to think like a 15-year-old, we're going to bypass all that, and we're going to say, no, you know, you're, you're an adult in our eyes. You're an adult. So, so just so we can try them and charge them and convict them as an adult and send them to adult prison, you know, and I like the fact that she's like, we're not even trying to get these people, you know, exonerated or anything. It's not like we're trying to say they're innocent. We're trying to say that this this bill says let, let's take a look at, at what we sentenced them to. Did they de- did they deserve? And I, I was listening to them testify in the house, and I can't remember the number, but they said, you know, they said quite a bit of these uh, second lookers were were charged and convicted through the laws of the law of parties, the party law. And I'm sorry, man. That's just a, that's just a, when you're a 15 year old kid 
and you're you're just out having fun, you think, and then all of a sudden somebody in that group has a bad idea to do a bad thing and you you can't get out of it quick enough. You can't leave quick enough because it's too late. The deed has already happened. You didn't you you maybe you didn't know it was gonna happen. But I, I, I think the second look, because I don't know if Texas is going to change the party law because we're just, you know, we're so Republican and we feel like, you know, somewhere in the Bible it says that we have to just not give second chances. We have to not give third chances. We have to, I really feel like on criminal justice reform, I feel like the Republican Party and, and even Christians sometimes feels like there's part in the Bible that says we have to, we have to just be this, this hammer, this, this, you know, sitting over all these people that made mistakes and say, you did this crime. So you do this time you hung around this person. And, uh, it's embarrassing sometimes as Christians, you know, um, and it's embarrassing as, as, as someone who aligns himself with mostly conservative ideas. Um, you know, this is one area where I kind of align with, um, with, with liberals and Democrats on criminal justice reform. And, um, you know, I, I was accused one time of leaning left. Oh, you must lean left now. No, I don't lean left. I, I don't lean right. I, I, lean the, I lean in the middle. I lean to the cross. And, and where was the cross? The cross was in the middle. And Jesus recognized that even on the cross, one person accepted him and one person rejected him. But in the end, he gave that person that accepted him, he gave them another chance. He gave them grace. He gave them mercy. You know, and, and for us as Christians not to say, you know what, maybe that law is wrong. Maybe they did get a little too much handed to them. You know, and I hate to say, well, what if it was your kid? Put yourself in, in Deanna's position. Put yourself in anybody's position who got their child taken away from them because they decided to hang around the wrong crowd. And then all of a sudden they're facing. Now, here's the deal. If, if you have all kinds of money and you're rich and you're wealthy and you can hire a lawyer to help you not get a big exorbitant, exorbitant um, sentence, then that's great. But that's not most people. It's not most people. So I, I, just so you know, we are 100% for this bill. I'm glad it's finally bipartisan. Again, I'm embarrassed that re more Republicans haven't uh, co-signed on this bill uh, because it just—it's just—it's—it's a, it's a great bill, and it's gonna—it's gonna transform families, and it's gonna be—you um, know—it's gonna be something that will help people, help people that made bad decisions when they were a teenager. Uh, get a get a second chance, get a second look and a second chance. And like I said, Jesus gave more people second looks <laughs> than anybody that walked this earth. And um, and I'm I'm excited to see this bill pass. We're praying that th this bill passes. And and um, listen, if you want to get involved with Epicenter Ministries, I love what they're doing. Um, we we're going to support them any way we can. Um, she, you know, when, when they decided to open the houses, she called me and wanted to ask questions about it. And I'm, I'm there for, I'm, I'm, I'm with her all the way. 
But if you want to support through donations, uh, I, for one, know <laughs> what it's like to run an organization and ask for donations. Uh, go, to, go to the website. Uh, everything is on the show page. So if you don't listen to this through the show page, go visit the show page, forgivenfelons.org slash background check. And check out all the pictures, some of the second lookers and their wives are on there. Uh, you'll see some more pictures of, of Deanna and her team. But go to the website as well, secondlooktexas.org, and uh, order her book. Order the book. Order the, the, I can't wait. I can't wait to read it. And um, so anyway, let's, uh, let's pray over this bill and Deanna and Epicenter and, and Leah and Shauna and all the other people that work uh, for her voluntarily. Uh, let's just pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for, we thank you. For, for giving us a second look, Lord. We thank you for giving us. You could have just sat up there in heaven and not and not given a second thought or a second look and, and, and say, maybe these people need a Savior. Maybe they need a second look. Maybe they need a second alternative, a second way to give sacrifices and confess their sin, and maybe they need, maybe they need a second chance. Thank you, God, for sending your son. Lord, we just lift up Deanna, and all the ones I know for sure, Leah, Shauna, uh, everybody who pours into this ministry to help people get looked at for another chance. Lord, we thank you that this ministry um, is it was birthed out of her own pain. Lord, we ask you to we ask you to take care of her son in California. We ask you to bless him, let him thrive. Lord, we ask you to bring donations to Epicenter Ministries. We ask you to bring resources, and we ask this bill, Lord, to pass. We ask that there'd be no obstruction to this bill. Father, we ask you to bring it, to make it more bipartisan, to make it more bipartisan in Jesus' name. Let this bill be looked at as something that was just an anomaly and, a, and, a, and, a, and set a precedent for more bipartisanship in criminal justice reform. Lord, give Deanna strength, Give her health, her family, her staff. Give them everything they need to thrive in what they do. Thank you, Lord, for favor, for Epicenter Ministries, Indiana and her family. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, don't forget to follow her. Go on Facebook. Go to the show page. Grab all the links. Follow us, Forgiven Felons, on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Uh, don't forget, if you're listening to this on Friday the 19th, we have our next open house on uh, Saturday the 20th. So come out and see us, and uh, we will see you on the next episode. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Background Check Podcast, brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with a past realize their future. For more information, please visit ForgivenFelons.org. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and please don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss the latest episode. I'm J.D. Gum, and this has been Background Check.